You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. One right now, uh, just get one on your way out, write your name in the front of it, and uh, Merry Christmas, that's for you. Um, nobody's going to think you stole it or anything, that happens all the time. Um, so Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. So this this picture where it says the tax collectors and sinners, basically uh, not the, the prettiest folks in the world, not the people with the perfect looking little life and the cute Instagram, right? Like the people that were kind of messed up, the people that came in a little bit broken, the people that had some obvious sin that everybody knew weren't the greatest people in the world. All of those people like me and like you were coming near to Jesus as they were drawing near to hear him. This idea of drawing near, that's not something we say a lot. So uh, that, that basically... Is there anybody that you know that you've ever met that the people are just kind of, they're just drawn to them. There's, they're, uh, there's, there's kind of like magnetic sort of people. Maybe it's somebody older than you. Maybe it's an adult. Maybe it's somebody in your grade and that wherever they go, there's just kind of like this little flock of people that just seems to like magnetize up to them. When I was, when I was in ninth grade, there was this guy in our student ministry named Carson. He was a senior. He was this big old dude. He was just real happy, loved Jesus, and just seemed like he's just nice to me in general. So I was this awkward ninth grade kid that every time I came into our version of Greenhouse, Carson would be standing somewhere. I was going to stand next to him like, hey, good talk. I'm going to keep standing next to you. I just, I just would. I just stand next to him all the time. I just wanted to be around him to see what he'd say, right? And he was cool and he was, he was nice to me or whatever, but there's just some people like that that we're just kind of naturally drawn toward. So we'll see what they're going to do or say and, and, and they just have this, this, uh, this weightiness to them, right? Well, Jesus was the most magnetic person ever. I can't imagine being in the presence of Jesus and how you couldn't be drawn toward him. So Jesus is hanging out somewhere and all these people, these broken people like me and like you are, are being a little like, like magnetized to him, like moths to a flame. And they're, they're coming in and people are pouring in around him just to hear what he said because the things that Jesus would say were words of hope and of peace and of forgiveness and joy. And for people with baggage, that, that brings hope and light. And so all these people who need hope and light start pouring in around Jesus and they're just, they're kind of, they're just, they're not the uh, best people in the world, seemingly so. They start packing in. And as, as, and as I, I think about that idea that, the, that these people, these broken people, drawing near to Jesus to hear what he would say. That's what I want for myself. Like when I think about just my life in general, but, but also like weekends like Disciple Now, like specific intentional times for us to get away from the craziness of our world and, and come into the presence of God for a kind of an extended period of time. When I think about that, that's this verse like is what I want to do. I want to draw near to hear him. That's what I want for all of us, man. I, wanna, I want us to be like John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, John, like the Apostle John, different John, lots of Johns in the Bible. John the Apostle at the Lord's Supper where he like leans back up against Jesus and he's just like, just like gets as close to him as he possibly can. It's so like leans against him. That's what I want for us. I want, I want my soul to like, to like get all up, like just be right up against Jesus, like snuggled in, all right? I want, I want, I want us to be able to get, so close to Jesus that we just like, we can just stare at him, even though you can't see him. I know that doesn't make any sense at all, but that's just what it feels like in my head. All right. Best way I can put it. I want us to draw near to him to hear what he'd have to say. That's what this weekend's going to be about. So we're going to kind of go down through the story and figure out exactly kind of what's involved in that. See, the problem is that, that even though that may be what we say we want or what we would say, yeah, I want to go to disciple now and I want to get close to Jesus or whatever. That's not often how we live. And that's not, probably not how you walked in the room tonight. 
So there is this possibility, there's three possibilities the way you walked in. And one of them is this, this, this drawing near to hear. I, I want to be in his presence. I want to I be right there with Jesus. But there's other options. Obviously, there's the, 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 the antithesis of drawing near would be distance. And that's where a lot of us kind of walk day to day. We walk with this very real, very tangible distance between us and God. And we're, we know it's there. We're not really sure what to do about it. And it just kind of weighs on us. It, it kind of messes with our, our prayer life and our time in God's word just kind of feels stale. And there's this, there's the, we just don't really feel like we're with him. We feel like we're talking about him, but we're not talking with him. Sometimes for us, that distance is there because we're on the run. Sometimes we're on the run. Sometimes um, there's, there's things that happen in life and, and we get kind of weird about it. Sometimes we're hurt and sometimes uh, we start blaming God for things that God has nothing to do with. And we get, we get angry with God and so we, we run from God. Other times we run from God because we're ashamed, because there's just a whole bunch of sin going on. There's just so much sin, there's this mountain of sin that we're buried inside of. And we don't want to come into the presence of God because we're just ashamed. So maybe, you're, maybe you came in tonight a little on the run. And the other option for distance isn't necessarily running, it's just that you kind of wandered off. It's not like an intentional running away from the presence of God, it's that you just kind of, I don't know what happened. Where am I? I don't know what's going on. Like that kind of thing. Spiritually, that happens to us all the time. We're like the kid in the grocery store, right? The kid, you, 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 this has happened to every single child on earth that has a grocery store, okay? Where you're in the grocery store and like you're with your mom or your dad and, you know, they're looking at spaghetti sauce, which is super boring and you're six years old and you don't even like spaghetti. But down at the end of the aisle, you can see the cereal. And you're like, dude, I really want some Lucky Charms. I'm just going to go check the Lucky Charms while you look at the, the, the Prego, okay? You look at the Prego, I'm going to go find some marshmallows inside of cereal because that's a thing. Weird. And so, you, so like the six-year-old like kind of just... Like they're, they're kind of like, this, their brain stops functioning and they just float to the end of the aisle looking for the marshmallows. They get to the beginning of the cereal and they're like, that says, that looks like, like horse food or something. And so you just kind of keep going down and trying to find it, right? They don't know how they got there. They're just down there looking at the thing. And next, next thing you know, mom or dad thinks you're with them and they turn the, they, they turn the turn, blah, 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 can't talk, turn the corner of the, the little thing down there and go get some Diet Coke or whatever. And you're still looking at Lucky Charms. All of a sudden there's distance and you didn't really, you're not even sure how you got there. I think for a lot of us, if we're being honest, I think there's probably some of us in the room that really are actively trying to draw near to God. You came in here like that tonight. I think there's more than that that are probably angry at or ashamed of themselves. And so you're, you're actively running from God. And I think the majority of us, this is just my sense of, the, of, of our group right now. I, I think that the majority of us have just kind of wandered away. We're not, we're, not these, we're not the people in verse one. We're not drawing near to hear him because we wandered off somewhere. So I'll ask you before we begin, before we begin working through the passage, where do you stand? With those three options in mind, how did you come in the room tonight? Are you actively, consistently drawn near to God right now? Are you on the run or have you just kind of wandered off? You think in your heart, in your mind, nobody's going to make you write it down, all right? So just where, where, where do you stand? Be real with yourself. Where do you stand? If most of, most of us are experiencing that distance, if most of us are experiencing distance, then what I want us to do tonight is focus on that and try to, try to begin uh, tonight dealing with that before we get to this weekend. I want you to begin, have some handles on how to begin dealing with that distance, whether you're on the run or whether you wandered off, have some handles on how to deal with that going through the rest of this week. Cool? So what we're going to do. All right. So in verse 2, 
the story continues. It says, uh, you know, basically we covered this, that tax collectors and sinners are all drawn near to hear Jesus. Jesus is surrounded by all the messed up people. And then it says in verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, this guy receives sinners and eats with them. Basically what they're, they're fussing about um, is that uh, Jesus is supposed to be this like religious leader. He's, supposed to, he's not supposed to hang out with the bad people. He's not supposed to hang out with people that are broken and sinful, obviously. He's supposed to hang out with the pretty people with the whitewashed lives. See, these Pharisees and these scribes, these are the people who hid all of their mess. They, they hid it behind a mask and tried to let everybody else around them think that they had everything together. When really, in reality, they didn't. They just tried to hide their sin. Their sin was internal, and the people that are hanging out with Jesus their sins worn on their sleeves. And, and the people who are wearing the mask look at the people who aren't and say, hey, you shouldn't be hanging out with them. They're harsh. They're, they're angry. They're, um, they're just kind of awful. Jesus didn't have a lot of patience for those folks. Some of you um, have come from uh, maybe different, different churches or different backgrounds or whatever, and you've been hurt by people like this, people who like to wear a mask over their sin and call you out on yours who are harsh and who are basically just awful to people whose sin is just more visible than their own. And I'll say tonight, if, if, if you're mad at the church, or you're mad at God because some jerk was a jerk, then dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that somebody that called themselves a quote unquote Christian um, would be uh, harsh uh, over somebody else's sin that's just more visible than theirs. Um, but that's what these people were like. Jesus didn't have a lot of patience with that. And he loved putting them in, this, in their place. He loved just like nailing these folks to the wall. That's what he does in verse three. It says, so he told them this parable. They're fussing about Jesus hanging out with messed up people. So he tells them this parable. He says, which man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Jesus starts talking about sheep. We got, we're talking about broken people hanging out with Jesus and a bunch of jerks fussing about it. And Jesus starts talking about sheep. Because he's Jesus and he's cool like that, all right? So um, <laughs> you need to know a little bit about sheep. Basically what's going on here is say, hey, hey, if you, if you had 100 sheep and one of them wandered away, would you not go after the one? Right? And we'll explain what he's talking about here in a minute. But that's, that's, that's the gist of it. I know it's kind of worded a little bit awkward for you there. If you've got 100 sheep, one of them wanders away, you make sure they're not and are taken care of, and you go find the one that's, that's lost. You go look for them. So a little bit about sheep. Uh, there's a picture of a sheep. The first picture, that's a sheep. It's like a fuzzy dog with a weird face, but less smart. See, the thing about sheep is they're not the smartest little animals, and, and they really can't do a very good job taking care of themselves. They are dumb, they are slow, and they are clumsy. If there are any predators at all, they will get eaten, all of them. It'll, like a wolves will eat all the sheep because they're dumb and they're slow, all right? So there's these, they need caretakers. They need somebody to take care of them and make sure that they, like, drink water and stuff because they're too dumb to go find it themselves, so there's a shepherd and there's a person that takes care of the, the fuzzy dog with the weird face that can't run fast, all right? And so in the, the person's a shepherd and the shepherd takes care of them and makes sure that they don't, like, die. Um, so the, these sheep, the, the interesting thing about them is that they, uh, they are smart enough to, to develop a bond, and they'll develop a bond with that shepherd, the one that's supposed to take care of them. They'll develop this bond with the shepherd, and they'll be able to distinguish that shepherd's voice from other people's voices. So, like, if, if all of us ran out there, and the shepherd's with us, and I, was, I tried to get the sheep to go do something, they wouldn't do it. And the shepherd says to do it, and they'll do it. They'll respond to, like, their person, okay? So they're not the smartest animals, but they're smart enough to do that, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but, but getting set for a sheep, getting separated from your person is, uh, is not good for you. 
uh, it's actually really, really bad for you. Um, there's a sheep, this next, next sheep, uh, was, um, that sheep is named Shrek. Shrek, the sheep that avoided shaving for six years by hiding in a cave. All about it. All right? You see the tags? I love the one that says miracle. <laughs> that's not miraculous. That's stupid. All right? It's not a miracle. That's his dumbness. All right? So this is, this is Shrek. Uh, Shrek, um, uh, <laughs> Shrek hid in a cave for six years and uh, came out looking like that. So that's what you get, buddy. Um, it gets worse. This was the world record. This, this was the world record at this time. Uh, I, think it was like, I think it says like 2005 or something when uh, Shrek went nuts and went AWOL and hid in a cave for six years. Um, he, had like, he had like 50 pounds. That's like 50 extra pounds of, uh, of wool hanging off of him. All right? That's like twice his body weight. All right. But then, that's not the world record anymore because this guy, Boom. <laughs> boom. His name's Chris, less cool, not as cool of a name. Uh, if anybody's named Chris in here, we have a new reason to make fun of you. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is Chris. He broke the world records because he had 90 pounds of wool hanging off of him because a uh, home skillet uh, hid in the woods for seven years. Um, <laughs> uh, see that second paragraph? It says, spotted by a bushwalker. That's just funny. Um, the uh, Australians are silly. Anyway, that's, that's Australian for hiker. A hiker is walking around and basically doesn't, like, sees a rock move. And is like, what is, what is that? All right, all right. And it's, it's Chris. Chris is just chilling because he's so fat, he can't get up. He can't get up. It was spring. They, were, they, were, they said that if this, if this dude had made it to summer, he would not have survived because he literally couldn't walk under his own power anymore. And he would have sat there under his 90-pound blanket and suffocated. Yep. Sheep. It is not a good idea for sheep to hide from their person. All right? There's a shepherd for a reason. Oh, that's, that, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's Shrek once we, no, that's Chris once we sheared him. That was what was under that blob of gross. All right. So we, we sheared him. He got a little close on his face there, it looks like. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, whatever, he's alive. He's got a weird jacket on now. I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's Chris once we, uh, pull, that, pull that down and go back to something else. So they'll, there you go. All right. Um, yeah. So it's not a good idea for sheep to get separated from their person. Bad stuff happens. Like, on a long enough time frame, they will die. They, like, they have to be taken care of. And if they're not, it just gets worse and worse. If they wander off or they go hide in a cave for six years, bad stuff happens, right? People were out looking for them. They just couldn't find them. They just assumed they were dead. But like, like Jesus says, okay, so verse 3. Which of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country, go after the one that's lost until he finds it? I love that. I love that when, when, when we wander away, or even when we run away, that, that Jesus says that, well, he's, he's, a, he's basically having an analogy here that says that he comes for us. He's saying that, man, this, these, these broken people that are coming to spend time with me, these people that want to have these words of hope, man, these are, these are, these are lost sheep that have wandered away and like, I, I, I'm going after them. 
He doesn't just abandon us. He doesn't let us go. It, he, he literally is out, comes out looking for us. So that's, the, that's the bottom line for tonight. I, I was, if you don't remember anything else I say, I want, write this down, man. Jesus is out looking for you. If you, if you have distance, man, if, if you wandered away, if, if you're running away actively, if you've never known him, if you're not even sure this God is real, I need you to know that whether you realize it or not, Jesus is out looking for you. The same way that when you lose your cell phone, you and everybody you know go out looking for your phone with like this urgency that the world is going to explode if you don't find it, right? As, you know, TV, like if, if somebody goes missing, people go out looking for them. And Jesus is saying that, man, if, if even just one of my sheep, if, if it is one of them wanders away, I go out looking for them. Look what happens when he finds us. Look at verse five. It says, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So the, the shepherd, he, he's, this one sheep's missing. He leaves the 99, he goes and finds the one. It says that when he finds it, he, he throws it up on his shoulders and he's rejoicing. That, that putting on the shoulders, that's, that's not to constrain, all right? That's not like, hey, you better not run off again, so I'm gonna like sheep lock you, like, like, like whatever, Hulk, that's a weird Hulk move. I don't know what this is I'm doing with my arms right now. But that's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a motion to constrain. The idea here is that, that if a sheep's gone and it's, it's separated from the, the herd or whatever and doesn't have its person to take care of them, then they're probably gonna be weak and dehydrated and, and not be able to get back on their own. Like imagine Chris trying to like walk back a couple of miles to the pen, all right? Like that's not gonna happen. So, so the, the shepherd goes and he, he picks up the sheep and, and carries it, does what it can't do for itself. That's the picture of Jesus coming for us where we say, hey, there's distance between me and the God of the universe. Maybe there's, maybe there's sin in my life and I've just become ashamed and I've distanced, I've gone and hidden in the cave for six years, right? Maybe I've just been trying to find the marshmallow cereal and I've just kind of wandered away and, and I, don't, I don't really know what happened, but just six months has passed, I haven't talked to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm out looking for you and when I find you, I'm gonna throw you on my shoulders, I'm gonna do what you can't do, I'm gonna bring you back to myself. And I love what he says, that he doesn't just, doesn't just throw us over the shoulders to bring us home with like a bad attitude. Jesus doesn't come find us and he's, he's annoyed that we wandered off. Jesus doesn't come find us angry or frustrated at the trouble we've caused. It says that when he finds us, he, he brings us to himself rejoicing. Because he's pumped. He's, he loves you. He loves you enough that he died for you. And so when he finally gets you and he can bring you back to himself and that distance is closed, he's doing the work for you, bringing you back to himself. He's overjoyed about you coming back to him. Overjoyed about you coming. And the party doesn't stop there. It doesn't just start, stop with Jesus. It continues on in verse 6. It says, uh, so the shepherd, when he, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I found my sheep that was lost. And he shuts off the analogy in verse 7. He says, Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents or turns away from their sin than over 99, uh, quote, unquote, righteous persons who need no repentance. God loves to see his children draw near. Out of their wandering, out of their running, out of their distance, he loves seeing us come back to him. And it says that, he, that, that heaven literally throws a party over that. What would a heaven party look like? I don't, I have no conception of what that would be, but if there's like angels pumped about me turning from my sin and you turning from your sin, then I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's good. I mean, it's probably not a bad party because it's just like God's idea and stuff. And so this, this says over one sinner who repents. Every one of us are sinners, man. All of us do stuff that's wrong. 
that breaks the heart of God, and that's just, that's just wrong. That's just flat wrong. We are sinners, every single one of us. It says that when one sinner repents, what repent means, it's just a, it's a biblical word that means turns away. So when one of us turns away from our old way of life and starts walking after God, instead of walking after our own way, heaven throws a party. That's the gist of it. So for, for people who, I mean, if, if, you don't know, if you don't know Jesus right now, you haven't asked him to be your savior, that's okay. So the way this would work for you, when, when you trust Jesus with your life, when you come to a point where you know that the God of the universe is real, that he actually did send his son, Jesus, who walked the earth here and died on a cross, not just because he got caught, but intentionally, that he died on that cross to take your punishment. That was your punishment for your sin, and he died where you would have died. That was your place, and he got up there for you and for me to take our sin away. And when you trust, that, trust in that gift, trust in what he did for you, and allow him to forgive you and wipe you clean, there's a party in heaven over that. But for those of us who are Christians, maybe you've been a Christian a long, long time, and is, how does, what does this look like for us? For us, this is a continual process of us turning away from that sin that's still inside of us, that brokenness that's still in there. You know it's in there, man. Like, those of us in the room who are Christians, in which we can try as hard as we can to, to live the way God wants to, as hard as we can, but it just doesn't always, it doesn't work. We're still sinful people, but we're forgiven sinful people. And so we turn away from our sin and we follow after God. It says that, that Jesus rejoices over that. You know that kid looking for the lucky charms? The... Those, those kids in the grocery store, I mean, they don't, they don't know they've wandered off. They've, they've zoned out. They're, they're kind of brain shut down, and they're just kind of floating down the aisle. You'll see them sometimes. They'll pass you. They'll walk around your cart, and they don't know where they're going. They don't know mom's not with them. They're just walking. But when they, when they look up, and they turn around to ask mom if they can buy the Lucky Charms, and mom's not there, dad's gone, they flip out. It's hilarious. And what do they do? They don't just stand there like, oh, I should... I need to problem solve the situation, right? I should go row by row and look for my mother. No, they just start yelling mom, right? Smack in the middle of Target. Mom! Mom! Like a siren, right? All the moms are like, does that sound like mom? No, nah, it's not mom. If it's mom, he'll find me, right? They don't, mom's not stressed about it. Mom doesn't care. But, but once you figure out, once a kid with the tuggy charms is like, he's... They flip out. Man, they'll start crying. You know, that the, the lady with the, the, the checkout ladies have to come, like, rescue them and stuff. I mean, it's a big deal when you figure out that, that, you're, that you're lost, when you figure out that there, that distance exists. What you do is call for help. What you do is call for help. If there's distance between you and Jesus, Jesus is out looking for you. He's out looking for you. And your job, when you figure out that that distance exists, is to call out to him for help. Because you can't bridge that distance on your own. Only he can do that. Allow him to come to pick you up, to put you on his shoulders and take you home. And heaven will rejoice over you, turning from your sin and coming back to God. Some of you have a lot of distance between you and him. A lot of us in the room, all of us in the room, have areas of our lives where there's distance. And I want us to begin doing something about it. Tonight. So I want to ask you a question. Um, uh, the, the, the sheep that hid in the cave for six years. I don't, I'm not sure that sheep actually wanted to be found. I think he liked his distance. 
So a very honest question here, um, which can go either way for you. Do you want to be found? Do you, do you want Jesus to be out looking for you? Do you want to be brought back? If the answer is no, you got some, we got some other stuff to talk about. But the answer, if the answer is yes, man, cry out for help. It's just that easy. He's out looking for you already. Just allow him to bring you home. So my challenge is to just do that, is to call for help, to ask him to come find you, to pick you up and bring you back to himself. If you're going to disciple now, here's how that specifically works out for you. My, my prayer is that you would consistently do that, consistently ask Jesus to bridge that distance between you and him, that you would do your part and you'd ask Jesus to help you do it, that, that, you, that you would be working on that distance, whatever the, whatever the reason it's there for, that you'd be working on that from now until you get to this weekend. So we can already have that over with and we can move forward once we get there. But if you're not going to disciple now, um, man, uh, we do these retreats and we do these kind of events like this to allow you to have a moment where you're just kind of separated from the craziness of your normal life and you can have a moment to focus on your relationship with Jesus. That's why we do these extended kind of things so that you can have this, this we can clear off a space and you can focus on your relationship with God. But there's nothing magical about that. There's nothing like magical about disciple now or something where like Jesus shows up bigger than he can, can in your bedroom if you're spending time with your Bible. God is, God is God. He's everywhere. And if you would just take some time, and if, if we take time to just spend time with him, to come into his presence, to spend time with him in prayer, to spend time with him while we're looking into God's word, and, then he's there. So whether, I mean, if you've got a soccer tournament and you're going to be in, I don't know, Memphis or somewhere terrible, like, <laughs> that's okay. So my, my prayer for you is the same thing. To, if there's distance between you and God right now, that you would work this week to bridge that distance. And when it comes this weekend, that you would intentionally call, call out time for yourself to spend time with God in a real meaningful way. I don't mean three minutes. I mean like hours. Take care of yourself. Do what you got to do. Don't be that sheep. Stay close to the shepherd. I want you to have, um, have a chance to begin tonight. I, I think a lot of times we, uh, we come out of Greenhouse with application stuff and things I want you to do, um, and you kind of forget about it as soon as the music plays and Greenhouse is over. Uh, so tonight, we're going to give you a chance to start now. So um, in, in just a second, I'm going to pray, and you guys are going to be dismissed, and you're going to have like five minutes to work. And at 7.30, we're going to be done. Um, and so there's uh, on this like these windows, like one, two, three, four, not the first or second window. Um, there's pens and there's some pieces of paper, like real thick paper. Uh, and it just has two questions on it. Um, one's about your goals for the weekend for Disciple Now, if you want to be a part of the Disciple Now. If you're not going to be part of Disciple Now, it, what's your goal for the weekend? What do you wanna, how are you going to invest in your relationship with God this weekend? The second part um, is going to lead you to uh, just write down a prayer. And so that, that paper is for you, so you're going you're to do that. You're going to have five minutes to work, um, and then you're going to fold that up, and you're going to keep that with you. You're not going to write your name on it in case you lose it, because that's weird, and nobody needs to know about that with you and Jesus, okay? So um, fold that up, keep that with you, and at 730, I'm going to lead us out here. So let me pray for you. Then you get up, grab a pen, grab paper, find some space as much as you can in the room, and uh, you'll work until it's go time, all right? Let me pray. Um, Father, uh, uh, I think if we're being honest, probably all of us uh, would have to say that, yeah, there's some, there's some distance between ourselves and you. Uh, but God, we don't want that to be so. I hope, I hope that if almost all, if not all of us in the room, want to be found. So God, um, 
We just simply ask for your help. We ask for you to come find us, to draw us back to yourself, to wipe us clean, and help us live in a way that honors and glorifies you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. This is a this is a this is a silent activity. Shh.